0: hi everyone thank you for tuning in to the postmodern realities podcast from the christian research institute and the christian research journal i'm melanie Cogdill, managing editor of the christian research journal it's January 2020, and you're listening to episode 158, which is a conversation about the religious movement from Mexico called Light of the World. On this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Alberto Paredes who is a medical doctor from Yucatan, Mexico, and he is currently in seminary in the United States, working on a dual theological degree, a Master of Divinity, as well as a Master of Arts and Theological Studies at Reformed Theological Seminary. He is also the founder of Enviados Mexico Ministries, whose mission is to strengthen the church by providing reliable theological resources in Spanish. Alberto has written an online exclusive feature article in both English and Spanish for the Christian Research Journal, and it's called La Luz del Mundo, The Light of the World, or A World of Darkness, An Examination of Three Teachings and Practices of the Light of the World Church. And you can read it for free online at our website, Equip.org. Alberto, it's good to have you on.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, at the Christian Research Institute, we have received various requests about this group from our Spanish constituency. So probably a lot of our other constituency that is maybe not familiar with religious movements in Mexico or in South America, for example, May not have ever heard of this particular church. So if they've never heard about Light of the World before, tell us a little bit about that church and its background.
1: Yes, yeah, sure. Um, well, the Light of the World is a religious organization founded in Guadalajara, Mexico in 1926, um, something around 90 years ago now, by Eusebio Joaquin Gonzalez, who is the grandfather of the current leader, Nason. Joaquin. Uh, this religious movement, whose official name is actually the Church of the Living God, Pillar and Ground of the Truth, the Light of the World, derives from the Mexican apostolic Pentecostal movement that began near the year 1914 as a result of the Pentecostal movement in LA. However, today, uh, the Light of the World doesn't have any official uh, relations with the Apostolic Pentecostal movement, either from Mexico or the United States, is a little bit more of its own religious movement, and the the banner or the flag with uh, which they teach is that they are the restoration or the resurgence of the primitive Church of Jesus Christ, and by using the word primitive, they mean the early Church as we might see it functioning in the book of Acts in the New Testament era. So, in short, what is the light of the world? It is a religious movement from Mexico that claims to be the resurgence of the church that Jesus Christ founded in the first century.
0: So, how big is this movement? How big is the light of the world, church? And why should people care that are not, you know, in the Hispanic community.
1: Yes. Well, at the beginning, it indeed was a rather small movement. Uh, Nevertheless, through three generations of its leadership, they have been growing to be one of the most preeminent churches in the whole country. Without a doubt, it is the second greatest religious organization in its central city, Guadalajara only behind the Roman Catholic Church. And worldwide, they do have over 15,000 temples, and they are present in at least 58 different countries. Out of these 58 countries, the United States hosts the second larger number of followers, having important temples in cities such as Houston, Los Angeles, New York, and even Charlotte. So let me give you a quick example of the size of the light of the world in the United States. The light of the world has this uh, celebration of the Lord's Supper annually. They call it the Holy Supper Feast. This feast day, every follower was encouraged to travel to Guadalajara as a pilgrim place to receive the Lord's Supper and to have their sins forgiven. We are talking about over 500,000 people gathered in Guadalajara, Mexico. However, the light of the world in the United States, its growth is such that they are now the only country that is discouraged from coming to Mexico, since the amount of people would be impossible to handle. Uh, This is how big the light of the world is worldwide, and especially in the United States.
0: Well, probably some of our listeners may have heard about their leader, who is Nesan Joaquin Garcia, because back in 2018, he was arrested in Los Angeles and charged with multiple counts of sexual abuse, including you know, distribution of child pornography and sex trafficking and so forth specifically in LA County between 2015 and 2018. And last year in June, he pleaded not guilty, but you know, the whole situation, his criminal charges has not gone through the US court system yet. And specifically, probably some of our listeners are wondering why you didn't mention any of these charges that he's facing in the article. I mean, is this something important to point out? And why didn't you focus on it at all in your article?
1: That's a great question. Of course, it is important. It is important in the sense that, yes, if he is to be found guilty, justice must be served and God may be glorified through that. Uh, Nevertheless, the reality is that those charges against him in and of themselves are not an argument against his teachings, even if he is finally declared guilty, I mean, let's put this example. I could be a terrible husband and nevertheless tell the truth when I teach. Of course, the fact that I would be a terrible husband would immediately disqualify me from leading and teaching, but logically, it does not follow that because I am a terrible husband, therefore, what I teach is not true. If we ground our arguments against their claims or premises in the fact that their leader is a wretched person, then we would be committing what is known in argumentation as an ad hominem logical fallacy. This means that we are attacking the man and not the arguments. We do not want to do that. (laughs) Why? Well, imagine that we build our whole argument against the light of the world in the fact that this man is wretched and guilty. And tomorrow, new evidence appears showing that he is in fact not guilty from the charges that are set against him. What would happen? What would this mean? Would it mean that all what he has taught so far is in fact true? Of course not. The best way for avoiding this ad hominem fallacy, is attacking the premises themselves. The arguments the light of the world is setting forward for themselves and not the man behind the premises. And that's what I've tried to do in this article.
0: Well, I did think it was important that we even mention it. So we're not going to focus on his court case or anything, but just so that our listeners know, yes, we are aware that he had these charges against him, that he has been arrested, but I'm assuming that his church and its teachings continue even while he is awaiting his trial. So given all of that, what are the most important aspects of the Light of the World's theology to assess? And specifically, how are they similar or how do they differ from historic you know, Orthodox biblical Christianity. I think something that probably, like you mentioned in your introduction, that is appealing to people maybe in Mexico or worldwide since they have so many temples is that they're trying to get back to the original church as it was in the Bible, the original church. And so that has a lot of appeal to people who feel that the church has been corrupted over centuries. So how is their theology different or similar to you know, the historic Christian faith.
1: Yes. Um, well, there are a lot of differences with Orthodox Christianity. And when you begin to assess what the book of Acts actually said about historic Christianity in the first century, you will see that what they teach is radically opposed to that. But There is so much that we could say about this topic that it would take like several podcast episodes and more than one article to go through them one by one. Um, I think it is good to go to the roots of what the Christian faith is and ponder those things that really make us Christians. And among those things, I may say that the light of the world, for example, they don't believe in a triune God. They deny the deity of Christ, so Christ for them is not God. All this is contrary to what Orthodox Christianity believes. We believe that Christ is the second person of the Trinity. He is God. He is coexistent with the Father, co-equal with the Father, and has the same glory that the Father had from the beginning. Also, they do not believe that a new verbal revelation ceased after the first century passed. We as Christians do in the majority hold the view that after the apostle John passed near the year uh, 100 AD, uh, new verbal revelation ceased. And finally, they do not believe that worship may be given to God alone since in their theology, They will praise and worship other creatures which are not God, all contrary to uh, what we may find in Scripture.
0: You're listening to the Postmodern Realities Podcast from the Christian Research Institute and the Christian Research Journal. Today's guest is Dr. Alberto Paredes, who has written an online exclusive feature article for us in both English and also a Spanish version for the Christian Research Journal, and it's called La Luz del Mundo, The Light of the World, or World of Darkness, an examination of three teachings and practices of the Light of the World Church. You can read Alberto's article for free online at our website, equip.org. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe to the Christian Research Journal. To do so, please go to our website, equip.org. A subscription is thirty-three fifty, or you can partner with us by giving some of your time. If A subscription is not in your budget this month. You can do that by going to wherever you get this podcast or, for example, Apple Podcasts, looking for postmodern realities and giving us a review. If you could give us a short written review, that would be fantastic or even a starred review for this content. And the more reviews that we have, the more that we will come up on searches and people can find our content and also be able to be equipped by these podcast episodes. In addition, you can give us a tip. A tip would be just a small donation amount of $3, $5, $10. Maybe that's a coffee drink for you or a lunch out and maybe skipping that for one day this week. And giving that to us to partner with us to help keep this content free. You can easily do that by going to our website, equip.org, find magazine at the drop-down menu. You can see postmodern realities podcast. Click on that. It will take you to the landing page of all the episodes that we've ever done, which is more than 150 of them. Pick this episode or your favorite episode. You'll see a link there to give us a tip. And we thank you for your partnership. We started talking about some of the things that the light of the world believes and that we don't hold to as Christians who hold to the historic Orthodox biblical faith. So what do they believe specifically about Jesus Christ? Because you just mentioned a few moments ago that they even worship other entities, not just God himself. So what do they believe about who Jesus Christ is?
1: Yes, I mentioned that uh, they do not believe in the deity of Christ. uh, For the light of the world, Jesus is fully a human being. He may be regarded even as the son of God, but they will say that does not mean that he is God the son, as we call him, uh, being the second person of the Trinity. In other words, Jesus for the light of the world is a created being which was chosen by God to be his son to execute the necessary sacrifice for God's people and might be highly extolled for death but without regarding him as God now this is not something uh, new to theology nor even unique to the light of the world This view of Christ is pretty similar to that of the Jehovah's Witnesses. And we may trace its origins to the 4th century with the teaching of a man named Arius. He as well thought that Jesus was the first created being and that he came into the earth and was known as the Son of God, but was not God. This is precisely why the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD formulated a creed in which they referred to Jesus Christ as the Son of God, begotten of the Father, the only begotten, that is, of the essence of the Father, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. And that phrase, one substance, homoousion, In the Greek, leaves no doubt that Nicaea meant that Jesus and the Father are one of the same substance while being different persons, yet the one and only same God. The lot of the world would never say something like that. They will say that if Jesus is God, then we have two gods and we are polytheists. But again, that's the old Arian heresy.
0: So what about revelation? You know, we would hold to that the Bible is the Word of God. He's revealed there. And what do they think about revelation? What do they teach in their church regarding this?
1: Well, a lot of the world believes in the reality of ongoing new verbal uh, revelation. What we mean by this is that their leader or apostle, has this ability to communicate with God directly. He has been chosen in their theology to hear the audible voice of God, so much so that this is precisely the way in which each leader has come to knowledge of their apostolic calling. Now, this in itself is a huge problem. The thing is that since the Apostle is able to hear the voice of God, then his authority to teach is almost unlimited. I mean, why would we have Scripture alone as a standard of truth and the sole rule of faith and practice when we have someone that is communicating directly to God? Well, this is precisely what happens in the light of the world. Now, to be fair they will not say that what the Apostle hears from God is Scripture. However, in practice, there is no real distinction on how they treat that revelation. They have collected the teachings of their Apostolic leaders in some documents known as the Apostolic Letters, and in a normal Sunday service, it won't be anything unusual to see the Lot of the World ministers setting their Bibles aside and closed at the time of the sermon, for they would be preaching from those apostolic letters. Even the apostle himself may set aside his Bible to preach for whatever God has revealed to him in the week or days before. As a result, the truth that is required for our salvation is to be found, yes, in Scripture, but also in the revelation the apostle receives, making this revelation necessary for our salvation. Now, this is not far from the foundational system upon which the ancient Gnosticism was first founded. The thing of having uh, one apostle, one chosen one, with special revelation that leads unto salvation. So, yes, new verbal revelation is a big a big, big deal for them.
0: Do they consider this new verbal revelation to be higher? I know that they're still considering the Bible, but do they, in all practical applications, do they consider it higher than the Word of God? So they, you know, the apostle received some kind of word from God, he will tell people, and so they are to consider that higher than what the Bible teaches?
1: That's a great question. So in as we say in Mexico, in paper, (laughs) they want. But practically, when you are able to see that the Bible is clearly teaching A and the apostle is teaching the contrary to A and they need to go with what the apostle is teaching, you may see that in practice they do take uh, the apostle's words as a higher authority and a higher revelation that scripture itself.
0: So we just mentioned that they have an apostle. I was kind of thinking it reminded me of the Mormon Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, where they have these like apostles with direct lines to God kind of thing. So how do members of the Light of the World Church, you know, interact with their apostle? What is his position like? Is it like a, you know, ruling position like there are in Protestant denominations, or like, is it like a priest, or is it higher than a priest? I mean, how do they view this person that is their apostle?
1: Melanie, that is perhaps one of the most important questions. No, he is not only a ruling figure in this organization. he's way beyond that. Think about this. Since he receives direct revelation about God's will for his church and about the correct way of interpreting scripture, he's not only the highest authority for the organization, but believing in him, believing in his telling is required even for salvation. In other words, salvation comes from God through Christ, but Jesus Christ is made known from God through his apostle, who is regarded as the mediator between Christ and man by the light of the world. One of the best sources of the light of the world theology is its hymnal. They have a whole section of hymns of praise to their apostle, containing more than 30 songs written for him, in which we may find titles Referring to this apostle as, are you ready? (laughs) The light, the glory of Christ, the angel of the Lord, the chosen of God, divine spring or divine fountain, the greatness of God, God's mighty power, holy of the Lord among others. And literally stating that he has the authority and power to save humankind. This is not only a ruling figure, this is sadly idolatry of the worst kind. This is what was in my mind when I said that they will praise and worship other creatures which are not God. Again, their theologians will say that this is only, quote-unquote, due honor and not official worship. But you and I both know that these titles that I've mentioned are titles that are used exclusively for Christ in Scripture. And they recognize that they are worshiping Christ. So if they worship Christ with these titles, and then they apply these same titles to their apostles, it is almost impossible to find any distinction whatsoever between worship and this honor they are speaking about.
0: How do they choose their apostle? Is it somebody... Like, how can someone work up to that level, or is it because it's just kind of going through that one particular family and different relatives have become church leaders? Is it just through kind of like generational succession, or how do they identify who the apostles should be?
1: Yes. So far, it has been generational succession. The first one was Mr. Eusebio, uh, which was the grandfather of Joaquin. Then uh, there was a time when Joaquin's father was the apostle of the church. Now it is Nason Joaquin. And even now that he is facing these criminal charges, they are speaking about passing the apostleship to his son. That's how it works in practice. Now, what they will say is that they are literally elected by God, hearing an audible voice of God telling them when to start their ministry. This is usually what happens inside the light of the world.
0: So obviously, the light of the world church differs dramatically from historic Christianity, as you've mentioned, their view of revelation and Jesus Christ, and of course, their apostle that they're treating as divine. But are they preaching the gospel message? Would they say that people need to have a restoration with their broken relationship with God because of sin through Jesus Christ. I mean, how do they handle that if they don't see Jesus Christ in the same way that we do in historic Christianity? How do they describe or preach, you know, the gospel in their church?
1: This is a difficult question to answer in the sense that the implications of what I am about to say are not easy to share. It is uncomfortable to bring bad news, uh, take this from a physician. But yes, uh, this is a different gospel. Why? Think about all we have said so far. If it is true, then the light of the world has a different God, which is not triune, a different Jesus, which is not divine, and a salvation that is mediated not through Christ alone, but through both Jesus Christ. And Nason Joaquin, the Apostle. Thus, the key elements of the Gospel have changed completely. There is no way this is the same Gospel. That's without mentioning that the system of salvation in this organization is through works rather than through faith alone. So, yes, this is indeed another Gospel, and Paul calls a curse all who preach this sort of distorted messages.
0: How do they view the Holy Spirit? Now, it sounds like they don't look at God in the Trinitarian sense at all. Do they even acknowledge the Holy Spirit in their worship or in, you know, how they read the Bible?
1: Yes, it is interesting the way they handle these are two persons of the Trinity because usually in Oneness Pentecostalism, they will have a uh, modalism as uh, their view of God. So the father, the son and the Holy spirit all are just different modes of the one same God, but not different persons in the light of the world. Uh, they do not regard Christ as God, but they do regard the Holy spirit as another name for the father. So in this sense, they are modelists, Yes. Uh, The Holy Spirit is just another mode or another presentation of God the Father for the light of the world.
0: So this particular religious movement has been going on for almost 100 years, from what you told us at the beginning of this podcast. So how is it that they are able to persist in this, you know, frankly, heretical teaching that's not recognizing the Trinity at all and not recognizing Jesus as divine and elevating a human man as divine, um, divine person who's giving new revelation to his congregation. So how is it that it's persisted for this long and not just persisted, but just also taking quite a hold in not only Mexico, but you're saying in churches across the world.
1: Yes. Um, well, one of the things we need to take into account as we kind of wrestle ourselves with the reality that these ancient errors and and heresies have lived into the postmodern age is that we often like to think of ourselves as the modern men and those who live in an era of discoveries and innovations, but Solomon writes that uh, what has been will be again, what has been done will be done again, and there is nothing new under the sun. The thing is that that which supposedly marks this postmodern age in which we are living is the, this subjectification of truth. This is not new at all. It comes all the way from the garden since Genesis 3, humanity has been wrestling with the same question. Hath God said? And we often run short of ideas. <laughs> and since we do not like reading much history, we are likely to fall into the same errors and heresies that have not only been proposed in the past, but even dealt with at length in the past as well. So in short... I would say that we keep committing the same old errors because we keep struggling with accepting the same reality, which is this. God has indeed spoken, and we do not need anything but the Word of God to know the truth about Him, about ourselves, and about how to keep the covenant with Him. And until we accept this truth, we are going to Keep committing the same errors that historically the church has faced and has wrestled against.
0: You know, for the Christian apologist, and there are, you know, we get questions from people who do run into people who believe in when is Pentecostalism and any of its offshoots. And so, what is a good way in which to engage? a person who believes in the theology of the light of the world, because frankly, it's not as small as people think it is. I mean, I don't think there's official membership stats, but you know, it sounds like there's more than a million people in Mexico and it's even gone over into South America. So I'm sure it's going to continue to spread in South America through other countries as well. So what is a way that you can give some helps to people who might come in contact with someone who is very entrenched in this church?
1: Yes, well, that's a great question. And there are two sides of the same question that I would like to address. How should we think about this movement and how should we address people in this movement? In the first place, I would like to say that our position should be one of confidence. Yes, um, this organization has been growing a lot. Uh, They do not only send missionaries to... uh, North, Central, and South America, but they have started to send missionaries to Europe as well, to India, to Germany, uh, to a lot of other places. But the true Church of Christ is the one which will prevail. We need to remember that it is man who has built the light of the world, but it is Christ who is building his church. So we may remain calm, trusting that the great shepherd of the ship who has promised to build his church and take good care of it will do it. So point number one, we should do it in all confidence. Now, in the second place, we should take heed of the words of Peter when he tells us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope that we have with gentleness and respect. As I said, it is an uncomfortable task to tell the truth about the light of the world, especially to one who is part of this movement. Even, we may say, it is bitter for him to receive these bad news that they are preaching a different gospel, that this is not real Christianity. Yet, it is in the midst of this bitterness and the bitterness of our sin that we may discover the true sweetness of Christ. And it is in our darkest hour that the light of Christ shines brighter over us. So no matter how difficult it is to call sin what it is, sin, and to call heresy, heresy, it is necessary so that we can then provide hope through the true message of the gospel of Christ for people that are in a great need of it. We need to pray for them and tell them that Jesus is God incarnate, that he came to this world to live the perfect life that we will never be able to live, and that he paid that debt of our sin in the cross, so that having faith in him alone and not in any man nor apostle, we might be united to Christ by the Spirit and the Father will adopt us as sons and daughters, forgive us our sins, and seat us with Christ in the heavenly places. We need nothing else. Our salvation is by grace, true faith, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. The people following the light of the world need to hear this message, and we are responsible of delivering it firmly and at the same time with grace and love. So this is what we must do.
0: Well, finally, I want to end with some fun rapid-fire questions for Alberto. So right now you're studying in the United States. So what Mexican food do you miss eating the most?
1: That's a very difficult question. (laughs) Probably when we are there, uh, I will say, tacos al pastor, uh, which is a kind of pork seasoned meat that you put in a tortilla. And uh, I've found a lot other kind of tacos in the United States that are acceptable, some even good, but I haven't found tacos al pastor. So the first thing that I, uh, I am now in vacation, I am in Mexico today. And the first thing that I ate uh, when I, when I step into Mexican soil was tacos al pastor. So that, that would be my, (laughs) my answer. Yes.
0: So it's January and a lot of people in the United States make something we call new year's resolutions, different ways to improve themselves over the year. Do people do that in Mexico? And if they do, have you made any resolutions for 2020?
1: Uh, yes, they do resolutions. They often do, uh, very similar resolutions, uh, losing weight and um, reading more books and all those kind of stuff. Uh, yes, I've made some resolutions of my own. Uh, I, my wife and I are, are expecting our first child, so <laughs> we want to educate him in the ways of the Lord. So we want to pray more together and read the Bible more together as a family So that's one of our resolutions and um, also the uh, losing weight thing, (laughs) we kind of want to do that as well.
0: And I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that you run a website for theological resources in Spanish. So people might wonder in the United States, are people still fairly religious in Mexico? I know in the United States, people are, are less and less religious. They don't even identify as nominal Christians. They just identify as no religion. So would you say that even if people aren't practicing a spe- you know, going to church regularly, that they still are fairly religious or they're not religious similar to the United States?
1: Yes, that's very uh, interesting. I was speaking about that with my grandfather a couple of days ago, and that will depend on how you take uh, or what you take religious to mean. The churches have been decreasing in number, but we need to remember that here in Mexico, the number one church is the Roman Catholic Church. So we have been seeing uh, some growth in Reformed churches and also even those people that are not into Christianity that do not believe the Bible, I think they are religious in the sense that they evangelize with their like feminist message or the LGBT movement message. We have a lot of that in Mexico, and I see that as religious activity. Even um, Dr. Albert Mohler has said that the most um, holy uh, practice for this kind of movements, the sacrament he will say, uh, is uh, abortion. And they are preaching abortion and they are practicing abortion and uh, well, this has happened in Mexico as well so it depends on how you take re- religiosity so.
0: And what is one of your favorite things about living in Mexico?
1: Food. <laughs> Well, thanks,
0: Alberto, for being a guest on the Postmodern Realities Podcast.
1: Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been great to speak to you.
0: You've been listening to the Postmodern Realities Podcast from the Christian Research Institute and the Christian Research Journal. Today's guest is Dr. Alberto Paredes, and he has written an online exclusive feature article, both in English and also there's a Spanish article. Version for the Christian Research Journal, and his article is called La Luz del Mundo, The Light of the World or World of Darkness, an examination of three teachings and practices of the Light of the World Church. And you can read it for free online at our website, equip.org. In addition, if you have some Spanish speaking friends or know of people in that community, That are involved with the light of the world or have friends or families involved with the light of the world and you would like them to read this article in Spanish, we will be posting a short informational audio video on our YouTube channel, which you can go to YouTube and find our channel. It's under Bible Answer Man. You will see this and it's a video that is in Spanish. It's a very short video of about three minutes talking about this article in Spanish and encouraging people to read it so if you have any spanish-speaking friends that's another way you can connect them to this article and we thank you for your partnership we'd like to hear from you so connect with us on social media like the bible answer man facebook page and follow cri christian research journal hank Anagraph, and the bible answer man on twitter and please subscribe to the bible answer man channel on youtube if you like this episode please subscribe to the postmodern realities podcast on itunes and please rate and review our podcast. When you rate and review our podcast, it helps others see our content. And please share this episode on your social media accounts. Be sure you tune in daily to the Bible Answer Man broadcast hosted by CRI President Hank Cantograph who answers your questions live on air. To ask Hank a question, call 888-ASK-HANK Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. In addition, head to iTunes and subscribe to Hank Unplugged, Hank's audio podcast. Follow Hank off the grid, where he has in-depth conversations with some of the brightest minds discussing topics you care about. So until our next Christian Research Journal author conversation, thanks for listening to the Postmodern Realities Podcast.